Blog Talk Radio. Well, it must be the first Monday of the month of February because... It's time for Helping Behaviorally Challenging Students. Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you, as always, live from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine. And, of course, we only do this program once a month anymore, and therefore, every time we do it, the educators panel is on with us. And um got some headlines to read today, unless the educator panel has other plans for us, but I'm going to bring on Carol from British Columbia. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you? I am well, and I'm now going to bring on your very good friend and our most recent uh, educator panel member, Susan. How are you today? I'm great. It's gorgeous and sunny, and the Seahawks won, so it's awesome. The Seahawks did win, and I won't uh, give away my personal biases about football teams that I root for, but I will say this. I'm not unhappy that the Seahawks won. Good. We've just lost thousands of listeners, I think, but um, (laughs) those are the risks you take in the radio business, I suppose. Uh, So it's sunny in British Columbia today. It's beautiful and cold, wow. right, Carol? Beautiful but cold, yes. Yeah. Cold meaning what? And by cold we mean it's like three degrees, three degrees Celsius, so like yeah. thirty-eight. No. It's cold for us. Well, that is that is cold for you all. Um, and are you all suffering through a drought like California is, or it's not affecting the Northwest, just the West? We don't complain when we don't get rain. No. It's it's a novelty, so we actually just enjoy it, and we know that the rain will come sooner or later. Well, they need your rain in southern in California. Mm. Uh, we don't need your rain here in Maine. We're going to get another big snowstorm on Wednesday, I'm told. Wow. Uh, probably just in time for me to be driving from Boston to Portland. Um, but we have another educators panel member who has joined us. I don't. I think that this is Nina. Am I right? You are right. Wow. How are you? I, I should have bet on the game last night. Now that I've nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Tom, I suppose, will be joining us if and when he feels like it. Um, anybody have anything burning they want to talk about today? Um, I was just going to talk about our meeting that we had with the two members of the task force and just go through a couple of ideas that they had, but that was it. Let's hear it. Okay, well, we met uh, a couple of weeks ago with uh, Mark and Debbie from the Foundations Program here in Surrey. They work with students who are, you know, on probation, and they're working with, with the students to help them develop skills to keep them, you know, kind of on the right side of the law and leading productive lives, and so they, they teach them skills that they would need to be out in the community and, and working and making money in a way that is um, positive. So we met with them, and they had had a meeting with the big task force about 
six months ago, I guess, maybe a little bit longer. And so we were talking with them to just get an idea of where we should go from here because I wanted to stick with sort of an education plan on what we were going to do sort of in Surrey schools, especially at the elementary level, not so much the high school level, but at the elementary level, sort of working with kids at the young age and hopefully changing the mindset and moving up that way with, you know, helping them get through their lagging skills and and be just positive, positive role models. Um, they suggested that um, we take it slow um, and stick with the education plan. They did suggest that that was a good idea. And then to try to connect up with uh, sort of our Ministry of Child and Family Development. I think you've actually given a talk to them, haven't you, Ross? Didn't you do that last year in May? Did you come up and talk to our ministry? Anything's possible. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you might have in May because I was talking to you then. Anyway, so they already know about um, CPS, and she, uh, Mark and Debbie both suggested that we get them involved and that we work on sort of getting evidence so that we have data so that we can sort of show the direction that we're going in. They suggested that we not only... Uh, sort of try and get a meeting with the task force, but to try to do a conference call with the crime reduction people and the justice advocate people beforehand. So their their timeline was like September to have a conference call with them included and then with the plan to set up a, a larger meeting with the key players sort of in our um, Surrey government and in in May of next year. So we were disappointed because we wanted to do things much, much quicker. But as she said, everything with sort of government moves a lot slower. But they said if you have a really good um, evidence-based reason as to why this is working, she said they will hear you and we can move forward, which is good. So we started with, with that. It was a really good meeting with them. I was they were very, very proactive. We have been now videotaping our ALSEPs that we've been doing and also our Plan B conversations, as well as videotaping our group meetings that we're having at lunch with the teachers who are involved. So the hope is that Carol and I will kind of do the thing in Surrey, try to get into as many sort of factions that we can to talk about CPS with the evidence that we're gaining and show some videos and get people excited. So, for example, last week I had a colleague write to me and say that she was struggling with this student in her school, and she wrote a fair bit about it, and, you know, could I help? And so I wrote back with some suggestions, and I said, you know what, I'm going to see you at a meeting. Let me bring Lost at School, the book from Ross Green, and take a look at it, and then we can move forward from there. Well, she was really excited to get the book, but when I gave the book, she was sitting at a table with five other people who were also very interested in it. So I think we might be able to move it through, um, I'm hoping. The the hope is out there. So that's kind of where we sit. My assistant soup came to visit last week, and our assistant superintendents like to get in and see something that we're doing in the school. So I think I chose very wisely. I had her come in and sit (laughs) in on an ALSEP. So uh, 
She was very intrigued with it. She has read Lost at School because I gave it to her when we first bought the books a couple of years ago. And she wrote back, um, I'm just going to read it really quickly. She just said, thanks for the wonderful visit. Spending extended time at a school always provides rich information and such important insights. I felt very privileged to be a part of your all-sup meeting with your counselor, childcare worker, and teacher. Please pass on my appreciation to all three. It was apparent that they are very committed to the CPS approach to children's behavior. Uh, There were many aspects that resonated for me, especially the importance of the attachment and the connection that children have to teachers and staff. Really listening to kids in an active way can be very empowering for them and can help them better understand who they are and their needs. Anytime we look for a compassionate, productive approach to understanding children, we're on the right track and can be assured that it will be effective. And then she just goes on to to tell me um, about the approach that I've taken. But I thought that was really incredibly positive coming from someone in senior management. Hmm. So I was that happy. That is extremely exciting. It was exciting. And then she went on to, she also went on to, because our school plan, and Carol's read our school plan because we read each other's stuff to make sure that it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to change anything? And um, our whole school plan revolved around working the CPS model and the other things that we have in the district with it being uh, Stuart Shanker's work or Mind Up. And uh, she wrote back as well saying, your focus of your inquiry builds on the CPS model and encourages teachers to continue to look for multiple ways to build self-awareness, self-regulation, and develop increased executive function because that was our evidence was the executive function because we'd taken a, we'd had teachers fill out executive function forms on each of their children. So I'm feeling um, really positive, and um, I think it's going to be good. I'm the hardest part, the hardest part I'm finding now that I'm in government meetings sometimes, mm-hmm. and in meetings with people who are trying to make good things happen, is that keeping that we've got to make sure we keep your energy up because there are lots of forces that slow things down. I know. Cause inertia. Um, but I'm convinced that if we keep our energy up, we can spice our way through those things. But, um, I mean, I hate to say this, but whenever government is involved, it does tend to slow things down. Um, that doesn't mean that one shouldn't involve government. It's just that there are many chefs in the kitchen when mm-hmm. government gets involved, and um, it can it can cause even the most idealistic of souls who have a great idea to start losing faith that anything good will ever come of their idea because it does take so doggone long to make things happen. Mm-hmm. I so feel when you very. Need an, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say I feel very, very fortunate to be working with um, both my counselor Ron and my childcare worker Ruth and my IST teacher Roxanne because they are so involved and so keen, and I think giving them that extra boost going to your three-day intensive made a huge difference for our school and how we're moving forward. So that was a Excellent. really great thing. Mm-hmm. 
And it doesn't sound like you were too keen on the start small guidance that you received. But <laughs> No. Um, <laughs> you would have heard the same thing from me. Start small are two of my key words here. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of data, um, there's a few places you could draw from to get data. Okay. There's, there's data that tells you that things are bad. And those data can be found in dropout rates, um, abuse rates, truancy rates, um, rates of disorders, and doing an estimate based on national samples or prevalence rates in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual and applying those data to your area. There's discipline referrals, there's suspensions, there's detentions, um, much of which um, often can be found online or that you might be able to get through your contacts in government and in the Department of Education or the Ministry of Education in B.C. And then here's the good news. You also have data on what's good Um, you have data on the CPS model and its effects in juvenile detention settings, and I'm happy to send you soon-to-be-published reports on that. Okay. You have data showing an expanding uh, number of studies showing what the model accomplishes in outpatient samples. There are... Three papers being submitted any day now from the Oakland, California public schools showing what the model has accomplished in their school system. Okay. There are other papers that I'm working on that are from schools like Nina's school that are part of our project here in Maine, Mm -hmm. showing the impact of the model on discipline referrals and rates of suspension and detention. Um, So you have... Lots of data showing what's wrong, but also a growing number of studies, all of which you can, many of which at the moment you can find on the Lives in the Balance website in the resources section, but that I'm happy to send you if you don't find on there the um, number of studies supporting the effectiveness of this model just continues to expand exponentially. Okay. That's great. There's what's wrong and there's what's right. Fantastic. I was just at a... um, I also do the um, Issues in Children's Mental Health radio program on the first Monday of every month. And my guest today was Dr. James Garbarino, who is a sort of world-renowned expert on violence prevention and the factors that cause violence. Mm. And it's worth a listen because um, all of the factors that you would imagine set the stage for someone to be violent, whether it's in a school or on the streets, um, are part of that program. So it's a 45-minute listen. It's not posted on the website yet, and it probably won't be until later tonight. 
Um, but very much were, and it's all the most recent programs are now posted in the What's New section. The new website, people seem to like it a lot, but the only negative feedback we've gotten is that the radio programs are not all in one place anymore. The radio program for parents is now in the parent section of the website. The one for educators is now in the educator section, and the issues in children's mental health is now in the join the movement section. Um, but I thought that Dr. Garbarino really um, knocked it out of the park in terms of his knowledge of the factors that set the stage for violence and the things we can be doing to try to prevent it. Because it's an issue. That sounds great. And that, yeah. So what? So Susan, that is extremely exciting. And um, please keep us posted. This is a great example of the model expanding beyond your building, and um, your enthusiasm is probably going to be the key ingredient, and Carol's as well. Well, I'm just going to say, and Carol's as well. I, I, I just want to sort of to tell you one last thing. The, the teacher that we had in doing the ALSUP, she's amazing. She's been doing them since, well, since last year, but this year her class was really um, nutty with kids' be- behaviors and whatever. So she has worked really hard through the first part of the year to get it to a point where the kids are all with her, they're listening, they, they've they worked through their lagging skills, they've done Plan B conversations, and they're working so smoothly. And she sort of told that in the meeting with our assistant superintendent, and she said the, the boy that she was doing today on that day was brand new to the class. And so she wanted to make sure, because his behaviors were starting to show up in class, that she wanted to make sure that her her whole class stayed the same on this really great tone that they were on. So she was doing an all-sup on him to make sure Mm -hmm. that they were all together. And I thought that was brilliant, absolutely brilliant on her part. I just want to make sure I heard you right. Proactive solutions. Yes. What's that? I said that's a great example of the proactive part yeah. of mm-hmm. the collaborative and proactive solutions. It was fan- like I, I knew the voice she was bringing up, but the way she started to explain it, she explained it in such an articulate way that it was fantastic. Hmm. Absolutely fantastic. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. The, the part that struck me about what you just said is that it sounds like she was solving a lot of problems collaboratively last school year. Yes. And she was one of our now, well, she's now reaping what she's sown, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's so crucial for people in schools who often say they don't have time to be doing this. Um, any school or any classroom teacher who's doing this, if they do it enough and they do it well enough, they have the following mantra. Plan B saves time. Oh, and she would be right in that. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like she has a story to tell. We'll have to have me bring my video camera to Vancouver the next time I'm in your neck of the woods, (laughs) and I'm in your neck of the woods frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We'll have to get her on film and get her on the Lives in the Balance website, ASAP. Yeah. She's awesome. What else we got going on with the educators panel? Nina, anything to report from your building? Um, 
I just think that we're really you know, since vacation talking about reap, you know reaping benefits that have really felt. Um, you, a lot of the children are just doing. I'm, I'm knocking on wood right now, but a lot of the children are just doing so well, and I think it's just such a testimony to all of the proactive plans that have been in place. You know, as as classroom teachers get to know the students, and right now we're really in in a, a place where the children's needs are getting met, and um, teachers are really feeling those benefits and able to, you know, this is kind of prime teaching month and be able to, they feel like they are able to focus on those academics and children are getting what they need. So it's a really, it's a neat, it's a neat time of year over here for sure. We had a, you know, our new learning center, our teacher was out for a few days and usually in the beginning of the year I would have been panicking, but I said to her today, I'm like, oh, I know we're doing our job well when you're allowed to be out now, so you know. I just think it's a, it's kind of an, it's a really nice time of year right now. Which is very interesting because we heard from Susie, uh, one of the parents panel members this morning, that she had read an article in Attitude magazine about how this is the time of year when people are suffering from empathy fatigue and are starting to run out of gas. Why is that not happening in your building? Well, I think because of all the proactive you know, plans and the time that have been that were put in previous holidays and just when teachers are getting to know students, getting to know what the lagging skills are, and you know, children are now that those relationships are just so evident and involved, and students are uh, have huge connections to staff. So it, ta- it that always takes a little bit of time. I think that the first few weeks, you know, in September, it's that honeymoon period, and then you have to really kind of get to work in October and November and and do those proactive plans and understand where kids are having difficulty. And the kids are just getting what they need. And, of course, there's bumps in the road here and there for sure, but um, for, the, for the most part, it's just it's a nice time to reflect upon what we've been doing that works. And uh, I said I can let, let the learning center teacher can actually – kind of look around and see what she has done and, and the difference that, it, that it's made for the children. Sounds like I need to bring a video camera to your school again, too. <laughs> sure. Anytime. <laughs> well, the thing is, people, there are, there are so many people in so many schools who are not feeling that way at this time of year. It is so urgent that we help people know about what you all are doing, and video is a very good way to do it. There's lots of other ways to do it as well. Um, but you all are shining examples of what should be, and there's lots of folks out there who wish they could be what should be. Some can't have a, don't have an easy time even envisioning what should be, should look like, Others are so bogged down by all of the things that are flying at them in terms of initiatives and uh, mandates and all the things that go on in education, all the great ideas that just become overwhelming after a while, that um, they have trouble getting out from underneath the pile. So somehow you all are managing to do that. What's the secret? Well, I don't Carol, think there's a secret. I think, I think well, yeah, well, what you were saying about, you know, plan B saves time, I don't think there's a secret. It's not about doing something more. 
um, that takes more time is well, which I shouldn't say it doesn't take more time, but it's just it's doing something differently, you know, because you can be doing the same ineffective um, strategy time and time again, and you're using a lot of time, but you're not making any progress. But if you invest that time in in a a model that actually can show a change in growth, then the time that you're expending um, is getting you somewhere. It, you're not just spinning your wheels. So I don't think it's about trying to find time. It's just making your time mean something more. I would agree. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But don't you all have stuff being thrown at you that you got to do and... <laughs> <laughs> I have a no, folder of things to sign in front of me right now that I'm trying to right. keep from opening. <laughs> don't, don't they like change it on you like every you know month oh, or yeah. three years or? Oh um, yeah. We, how do you deal with that? I think you have to keep your priorities. I mean, I think all of us, you know, is what the children need and being present with the children are what feed us as well. So. All those things are part of the job for sure, but it's that attitude of, you know, we're here. It's watching those children grow and change, and that's what that's the rewarding part of the job. So, and keeping your decisions child-centered, like what right, exactly. for your children in your school, it really helps to have conversations with teachers when you come back to that. All my decisions are child-centered, so. Right, and not losing focus on what's important. I think exactly. as an administrator, you could you could do that if you listen to all the outside things, but you need to keep your focus on what what is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Nani, you just said something interesting. You said plan. I think you said this. Plan B feeds us too. I think that? so. Absolutely. I mean, it does. So just watch just the results of watching how, what how, happens with the children. Say more. I mean, what's this is interesting because um, what's feeding you? Well, watching like like watching the children be successful and watching um, teachers put in all that time and effort of making plans and spending time and connecting, watching the children grow and the teachers under watching that in front of them in their classroom is what causes us to reflect and celebrate and definitely keeps us going. I mean, I we can spend. My counselor and I sat together for an hour today just thinking about how far the kids have come, and that, that's what feeds us, watching them grow. And feel, feel the children feeling successful at school is such an accomplishment for the whole team. Hmm. Um, and here I thought it was just a paycheck. <laughs> We're all <funny>. laughing. <laughs> yeah, we got we got unanimity on that, don't we? Yeah. Nina, you got can you tell us a story? Sure. About one about about one of your about a kid who don't no names, no identifying information, but about a kid who you and your guidance counselor may have been talking about today. Oh, sure. Um, I hate to put you on the spot, well, I have, but no, that's okay. <laughs> one one situation that always comes that we always just are amazed about, think you know, thinking about his growth. Um, and I know I've talked about him before to you, Ross. But when he first came to us, and and the mother, you know, 
him and his mother, the mother was so fearful of just of even being able to come into school and had had really negative experiences before. And we were just learning the model. And the student wasn't even able to be in a classroom because so so many lagging skills and had so many unsolved problems that we had to start so slowly from just being able to be in a classroom. And, you know, and I, I mean, he's a student that I spent a lot of time with as a counselor and as an administrator as well. And, and slowly each year, if I wish I had his story documented from the beginning because it's such a visual, I have this visual of him just coming in in kindergarten and um, needing two adults really to kind of be around him to be able to you know make sure he's going keeping safe going in the right direction then to first grade where the teacher slowly allowed him just to kind of be on a computer in the corner and the the goal was just to have him be in the classroom to get used to people too and then that teacher really looped that for the next year mostly because she wanted to keep with him so that relationship was huge and watching the mother for the first parent teacher conference she's ever had come in that day you know the I never forget walking by and seeing her there actually sitting in a room with a teacher and couldn't believe that and two watching second grade where he was learned starting to do academics you know with with the help of a of a somebody that built such a huge relationship with him till this year where he's part of the class most of the time, I hardly see him, you know, just to come and say hello. And, you know, he's at one of the extreme situations, but he's, it's just such an amazing story. And anyone that's known him from the beginning, just, I just had a substitute teacher stop me and say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that's the same boy. I can't believe that's the same boy because I spent a whole, you know, he spent time with him last year and it was, he definitely had difficulty with new people. And this year he spent a day with him and he couldn't believe it, so. That's, that's what I think about. Wow. I keep hearing you guys saying things today that I kind of have to repeat just to make sure I've heard them right. But, Nina, if I heard you right, you just said that one of the teachers in your building looped so she could be with a behaviorally challenging kid for a second year. <laughs> oh, I, yes. Did I catch that? No, and you did. And last year, his second grade teacher, um, I had, you know, was thinking of the same thing. <laughs> That's a common thing here. That sometimes we get we get so worried about the next year that we say, okay, well, we'll figure out a way how to make how to make it work so you can go with him to the next grade. And you know, then we take a step back. And for that student, it was needed. I don't think he would be where he is without that. And then a lot of the other times, you have to say, well, what else can we do to make it work? But yes, our teachers are have strong connections, and have a hard time letting them go. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Same here. <laughs> yeah. Especially when they get picked up by the ministry and moved. And I've had teachers in my office where we're all crying because we've made such connections with these children, and then now they're yeah. off somewhere else. And it's just sort of like, but they need to be here. This is where they're mm-hmm. safe. This is where they're understood. Absolutely. And it's such a Absolutely. hard thing to watch happen, even though there are times when you know they, you're running circles trying to figure out what we can do to help them. But it's just so sad when they when they move on because Oh, absolutely right. We know that they're gonna start sort of all over again in their new school. To the point where I've actually Definitely. driven to a different community <laughs> to have to other have the conversation with the administrator there to let them know what we have done and how important it is to carry on with what we're doing. Yep. So it's amazing. It, it is amazing. You know, I, did, I just had um 
one of our educational technicians who's wonderful just came to tell me a story about we had a student, again, right when we were starting the model part of the grant, and a very challenging student who, who did end up not being in district for a while. It was a really hard situation, but we had you know, had a lot of time with him here. Um, and I, we think about him a lot, and she just came to me saying she had a phone call from a message on her phone from him saying, um, saying his name and saying, I'm the student that when I was there that um, you used to love me, and that's why I'm oh. calling you. And I was well, like, that's, you know, that's and, that, awesome. and that at the time was all we could do for him because I remember during our conferences with Kim Bordel, she would just say, you know, and I know Ross said, you have to pretend he's, he has the flu. He cannot, he's not able to be at school right now, and all you can do is have that relationship and uh, and have empathy. And, and that's, so even when we really couldn't solve the problems for him in our situation, we know that that's what made the difference for him. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's good. It was neat to hear. Mm-hmm. Y'all ready for some headlines from the uh, good news, bad news section of the Lives in the Balance website? You bet. Sure. sure. Feel free to comment um, at any time. There is some good news that we've just posted. Um, here's the headline. Bay Area schools, and we're talking about the Bay Area of California here, suspend fewer students. Mm. Uh, And here's the first paragraph that I'll read. Under pressure to cut racial disparities in punishment and to keep misbehaving kids in school, California public schools suspended fewer students in 2012-2013 with some Bay Area districts posting dramatic drops. Uh, Statewide, the number of suspensions fell 14%. And in the Bay and several Bay Area districts, even more sharply, suspensions dropped 65% in one district. Mm. And that's good news. No kidding. Mm, Definitely. Here's more good news. Then then we got some bad one. Um, More good news. Uh, the headline says, Maryland approves new school discipline regulations. Here's the first paragraph. Maryland education leaders on Tuesday approved the most sweeping changes in decades to state discipline policies, culminating a four-year effort to find a more constructive approach to student punishment, end racial disparities in suspensions, and keeps students who are punished in school. The new Regulations allow principals to suspend students but establish a more rehabilitative philosophy and reserve the harshest penalties for the most severe offenses. Mm. I guess that's good news, eh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So using yep. a restorative justice approach? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, restorative practices are catching on. That is a good thing. Now here's a few. (laughs) Here's, you know, (laughs) I read this one and I laughed, but not not because it's funny, just because it's unbelievable. Teen handcuffed for cutting in line in school cafeteria. Oh, my goodness. Here's the first (laughs) paragraph. In some schools, students who cut in line at the cafeteria might be scolded or sent to a guidance counselor. 
In Wake County, North Carolina, they risked getting handcuffed and thrown in jail, according to a complaint against the local school district and law enforcement agencies filed Wednesday with the U.S. Department of Justice. That's bad news. No kidding. It's just crazy. Here's one more bad news. I mean, I, I mean, laughing's not the right way to do it, but sometimes people laugh because they can't believe it. Here's one more. Revealed autistic children locked in unsupervised isolation rooms for <gasps> hours. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Uh, here's the first paragraph. Autistic children as young as eight years old are being locked in so-called withdrawal rooms for hours without supervision. Parents have, and this is in Ireland, by the way, parents have blamed Lives in the Balance as an international organization. I'll be in Norway and Sweden next week. Parents have blamed insufficient training for teachers and a lack of cohesive national regulation for the incidents. Um... There you go. That's terrible. Wow. That's Just awful. Some of the headlines from the last week. Crazy. But here's one more good one that I'll read. This was from last week. Obama administration urges restraint in using arrest or expulsion to discipline students. You know, by the way, you all, I'm sure, are aware of this, but the... Um, data were in on zero-tolerance policies a long time ago. And what the data tell us is that not only did zero-tolerance policies not work, they made it worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here in the year 2014, um, to me, this is standard knowledge. This is, but the Obama, here's the first paragraph, the Obama administration issued guidelines on Wednesday that recommended public school officials use law enforcement only as a last resort for disciplining students. And I'm I'm reading these just for contrast to what Nina was telling us about her building just a few short minutes ago. A, a response to a rise in zero-tolerance policies that have disproportionately increased the number of arrests, suspensions, and expulsions of minority students for even minor non-violent offenses. And um, a 35-page document was just released by Arnie Duncan, our Secretary of Education, and the Attorney General of the United States, Eric Holder, 35-page document that outlined approaches including counseling for students, coaching for teachers and disciplinary officers, and sessions to teach social, emotional, and emotional skills that could reduce the time students spend out of school as punishment. Remember what I said earlier about um, in some places there's just difficulty imagining what it would look like? This is why we have to get your stories and those of others who are doing good things, whether it's collaborative and proactive solutions or restorative practices or conscious discipline or nonviolent communication or whatever, the non-punitive, non-adversarial intervention is we've got to make sure people know what you all are doing so that they don't have trouble imagining it anymore and so that you all are showing them the way. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. Absolutely. 
Any other thoughts for the day? We have just a few minutes left. Um, you guys didn't know that what you were doing in your buildings had implications for people all over the place. Yeah, wow. We have to scale you. (laughs) (laughs) Any other thoughts before we call it a day for today? Well, as usual, all I can say is that each time we have this conversation, it just provides that little bit more of of a charge up and a recharge to continue doing it and to continue keeping it as a priority. Like as you were saying, there's so many things that can slow down the momentum and can distract us from doing the work that we need to do with our challenging kids. And um, this, for me, is possibly the best professional development that I take part in every month. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I so Definitely. agree and just get inspired from hearing the stories. So thank you for mm-hmm. letting us be a part of it. Yes, thank you. Well, here's what I just tweeted. I do tweet. Um, I'm ashamed to admit it. I've succumbed to social media, but I only tweet about the radio programs. It says three great radio, three great programs today. Really, if you missed them, they'll be posted in the What's New section on the website by tonight. Um, but uh, Susan, you, uh, you you all are you all are blazing the trail. And um, well, Susan, Nina, Nina has already been recognized as a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. Susan, I'm going to spill the beans here, and Carol, you're next, just letting you know. Um, Susan is a trailblazer in the next Lives in the Balance newsletter. Oh. And if you're listening to the program okay. and you don't get the Lives in the Balance newsletter, um, you should sign up for it on the Lives in the Balance website. It is easily done. Um, and Carol, I'm giving you advance notice. You're next. Okay. <laughs> any 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 final thoughts from Susan or Nina before we call it a day and a month for the educators panel for February? Well, I don't think so. Just thank you. Yeah, just thank you. And uh, moving forward, and excited to see more happen here in Surrey with Carol, and we'll let you know what's happening. I don't know why you all keep thanking me. From my perspective, it's you all who are doing the hard work. Uh, Shall we call it a day for today? Absolutely. Sure. Thank you so much. That's the cue for me to push the button for the ending music. Wait for it. Talk to you all next month. Have a great day. Bye, all. Thank you.